Uh, grab your Bibles, church. I just can't seem to completely let go of this series. So let me, <laughs> um, let me draw your attention to John chapter 1. If you need a Bible, our ushers are in the aisles. If you're watching online, good morning, welcome, grab your Bibles. Uh, we got an outline for you on the app, on the web. Just go to the app store and download the, the Horizon spot there and you can fill it in and, and uh, just work through this. I want to just sort of wrap the series up, maybe uh, do my best to kind of nail it down, connect some dots, leave you with the thought of what a worldview overview is all about. I think it's very necessary and important to do that really for a number of reasons. One, given the weekend that it is, it's a somber weekend, uh, it, but it's a time of uh, certainly reflection um, but also in going forward, what, what will really be our anchor? What, what will hold us together? Even the election on Tuesday, and please don't forget to vote. Because um, it would be absolutely awesome to see God do a miracle. And I believe in miracles. And uh, either way, ultimately, the state of California... Uh, will fall back into the control of the Lord Jesus Christ. And won't it be a wonderful place to be during the millennium? Right now, not so much. But uh, I'm praying we could get a pro-life governor uh, up there in Sacramento before it's all said and done. So you got that going on. You got a lot going on. And your worldview, your worldview just can't like be up for choice. I pray for these kids. I love these kids. I love discipling and pouring into them and, and watching them grow and how Stasi has come alongside Josh Dyer and our youth ministry and uh, a worldview cannot be left up to chance and uh, we've drifted sadly uh, as a nation and as a culture and that's why I think it's been so absolutely critical for us to do this uh, fly-by overview of the Bible and just how important it is to be coming back to the absolute certainty of the truth of God's Word. Amen, church? So I draw your attention a couple places. John chapter 1 really gives to us our worldview, so turn there with me. We'll have some things to fill in, just kind of a bit of review, and then... Um, and then in Ezekiel chapter 14, just kind of a practical example out of the Old Testament that, that I want to share with you. And we'll stop by Isaiah 49, as you see there on the outline on the way, because I think that's a tremendously encouraging passage as well. And so, Lord, as we open your word, we just again praise you and thank you. What a wonderful time of worship. And uh, just surfing through all the channels yesterday and seeing the different memorials and remembrances and and, and how amazing grace was thrown in a couple of times in a couple of places, but just the need for us to worship you, put our faith and our trust and our hope and our confidence in you. And we do that now. We just pray for marriages and families and uh, just ask, Lord, that as we sum this whole thing up, as we wrap it up, it'd be for your glory, to your honor and glory, our worldview would be completely committed and focused to living our lives for the praise and the glory of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. And everyone said amen? Amen. Hey, I'm hoping Wednesday night is just radical. It's just like off the charts. Where are we going to put all the people? 
kind of an outpouring of kids' ministry, Awana, as Steve and Sarah mentioned, kicking off men's. I'll be kicking off men's Wednesday night. And uh, Bond's going to kick off women's both Tuesday and Wednesday, youth ministry, dinner. Uh, I think it's board and brew this, this, this week. Just like all sorts of great things going on. And uh, make sure you're here for it. Just kind of add that to your calendar and do your best to be with us for uh, our midweek services. And then next weekend, we start a brand new series in the book of Psalms. And I'm so just pumped and excited. It's going to be you know, that's God's songbook, and uh, what a refreshing, I'm just praying for, for just streams of refreshing into your soul and into your heart through, through a series through the, through the book of Psalms. I know there's 150 of them, I, I won't do all of them, um, uh, maybe we'll get to all of them sometime, but I'm, this, the book of Psalms is divided up into five books, and, and right now, just the first book, Psalm 1 through 40, uh, is what we're just really excited about looking. So um, maybe be reading ahead in that, just be praying uh, through all of that with me. But uh, John 1, you got it? Say, got it? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. This, this is our worldview. This is our anchor. This is our hope. That in the beginning was the Logos, the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. It's sort of like this. God became flesh. This Word becomes flesh and dwells among us. It's as if, it's as if listen, God who is spirit got dressed. The Word became flesh. The Word that was in the beginning, the Word that was with God, the Word that was God. Verse 2, He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. Now just pause for a moment with me. Ponder this for a second, church. What if you didn't have this book? What if you didn't have it? Then you wouldn't know that. And well, would life ever then be a mystery and puzzle to try and figure out? Aren't you grateful that you have this as your worldview? Grateful that you have this as your truth? That all things were made through Him. Without Him, nothing was made that was made. The entire book of Colossians is Paul doing his best to remind a church that's at drift. Am I talking too fast? Are you with me? Paul is doing his best to write to a church that has gotten caught up in the cultural current of this, this Greek world that is taking over the planet, their, their whole life, commercialism and everything that's just pouring into their little hamlet of a town from Rome. And Paul's like, ah, look what it's doing to you. Look what it's doing to you. And he's now having to bring them back and remind them of the anchoring hope and worldview that is found in John chapter 1, ultimately that's found in Jesus. I don't know if Paul writes a more pointedly written letter than the letter of, uh, to the Colossians. He's just sort of like, hey, wake up. You're, you're drifting, you're, you're off course, you're leaving this all. And, and, and he hadn't even been to Colossae, right? And, he's, and, and, and yet his heart is just breaking for what's happening. I, I wonder how they would all be feeling about what's happening now. There's a drift 
that's occurring. And I went to, I, I went to public school all, 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 all growing up. But this conditioning curriculum that's being taught in the public schools right now, you guys, you can't look at this and say, well, I went to public school. They're going to be okay. This K through 12 curriculum that's being taught, and some of us that went to public school were kind of like, well, I survived. Not the same. And here's the shock, and me telling you that, most parents are unaware of what's being taught. You ought to go on. You ought to go online and see what's being taught in the districts, whether you have kids in the districts or not, and know what's being taught in the districts that surround this community, that surround this church. Here's one good thing that came out of virtual learning. You know one good thing that came out of COVID, virtual learning, is the parents were overhearing what's being taught. And like, you know, dad's fixing the coffee and mom's flipping the eggs and here you got this like virtual learning thing all set up on the kitchen table and you're like, what did that teacher just say? What the heck? And, and, and oh. others didn't pick up on it. Uh, it was too subtle to notice, maybe. I don't know. But it's sort of like this, this water in a pot that incrementally is being turned up that ultimately boils the frog. And so you didn't evolve. All things were made through him. Without him, including you, dear friend, including you, knit together in your mother's womb by the very miracle of a creating God. You, you were created in, in his image. In him was life. You, you have life today. In him was life. And, and the life, look at this, was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And then it says this. Here, here's, here's, the, here's the big challenge. And the darkness did not comprehend it. Even when you, you, you know, and then John's introduced. John, this amazing cousin, you know, that sort of proceeds and sets up. Uh, and then in verse 14, the word became flesh. This word, this, this, this worldview, this, 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 this new hope, this, this, this new way, this new life, this word became flesh and dwelt among us. The spirit, God who is spirit, got dressed and we beheld his glory. The, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I gotta get to the outline. Fill a couple things with me. Just to fill things. Uh, a worldview is your operating system. It's your operating system. Some of you IT, you know, you're kind of like in that whole world. We're in that whole world. Our whole web design, our whole world, just everything. People watching online around the world in Singapore and Canada and down in Florida and Texas. Good morning, Texas. It's all on an on a operating system. Your worldview is your operating system through which you interpret the world. It's your filter, directs you, it determines 
what you experience, how you interpret and respond to the world. And now it has to be, church, I'm begging, it has to be through the lens of John chapter 1. Because you've got these worlds that are, that are colliding. Fill this in. Ultimately, there are two worlds. Boil it all down. You've got two worlds colliding in a collision course. Two worlds colliding. Here they are. Here's what we've seen in this overview of the Bible. 8G. Here's what we've learned. One of faith. Come on, team faith. You with me this morning? Amen? Amen. One of faith and one of the state. One of the state. Ultimately, there, listen, there is a gospel of the state that is being preached in this town. There is a gospel of the state that's being crammed down your kid's throat. From Washington to Sacramento, the whole global world system is providing a very alluring alternative to a worldview that is based and anchored in, in, in faith. That's what he means when he says that the light shines, this, this, new, this, this, this new revelation of a God now that you can see, that you can get to know, that you can personally interact with and learn from and, and follow and obey this light that is shown into the darkness. And yet the darkness did not comprehend it. That's that word right there on your outline, Greek word, katalambano. You're like, I don't care about the Greek, but what is, the Greek has these nuances that you miss in the English. Here's what it means. Kata means to go after. And, and Labano means to receive it, to go after it and to receive it. And so that's an amazing thought in verse 5 that this worldview comes in, that introduced, that is now miraculously arrived through Mary and Joseph, born innocently, this baby in a manger, our Christmas series, uh, coming up in just a very short months. I can't believe we've got so many exciting ministry opportunities, and, and it'll be Christmas before you know it. I know I don't mean to freak you out, but it'll... Um, <laughs> Uh, it'll be here. And uh, it's just kind of like this is this incarnation of the very same creator God that spoke it all into existence that has now stepped into our life, stepped into our world so that we would know him and place our faith in him. And some are like pushing back on that, like the darkness didn't comprehend it. John goes on later in chapter 3 and says, light came into the world, this, 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 this new revelation but the world did not receive it because man loves darkness. Catalambano did not go after to receive the truth, the light, the way, the forgiveness that is found in Christ and in Christ alone. Currently, you have a worldview that places self on the throne, self on the throne, self. And it's like everything is then to revolve around self on, on, on the stool, self on the throne. And that worldview is, is being preached from the rooftops, is it not? It's... It's crazy. And that's, that's um, you know, a broad road that leads to destruction. Broad road meaning in the sense that, that, that that's the highway that the majority of your friends and coworkers and, 
and society as, as a culture is commuting on, and it leads to destruction. It is a worldview of, of, of self that is preached from the rooftops on every single social media platform that puts self on the throne and makes a biblically-based church like this <laughs> a target and a loud mouth like me with a microphone, a, their worst nightmare. Because <laughs> I'm going to challenge that worldview. That marriages could come back and families could come back before it's, before it's too late. I'll do my best to influence the influencers. Because what we get out of this worldview, what, what, what we gain out of this is fill them in. Here they are, real, real fast. You get God out of this. You don't, why? You don't get God without Jesus. That's why John 1 has to be your worldview. You can't skip a base, man. You can't like just pull a side angle and say, I'm, I'm, we've talked about it many times in here, right? You just like, I'm a fine with the man upstairs. I'm just not doing this born again Jesus thing. Survey? No, doesn't work. Sorry, you don't get God without Jesus. You don't get heaven without Jesus. The worldview of allowing this to be on the throne of your heart, the very foundation upon which you and your, and, and your marriage and family and business are built is that you get, you get God out of this. You get, fill, fill, fill them in. Here they are. You get creation out of this. What do I mean by that? You're not a mistake. Your kids are being convinced in school that they're a mistake, mom. That they're mud. But they just somehow just oozed out. It's just like a bang. No, you were created in the image of God. What does that do to your self-identity this morning in coming to church? You were knit together in your mother's womb by the creator himself. You get a belief out of this. You get a faith out of this. And you're like, well, I'm just not real. I'm, I'm not... I'm not absolutely sure of, of the faith. That's because you haven't taken the step of faith yet. That's what Jesus says to Thomas. Thomas is like, I, I, just, I need some assurances before I believe. I need to see before I believe. And, and Jesus is like, Thomas, Thomas, Thomas. Tommy boy, come on, come on for a second. Put your hands right here. Put them right there in, in, in the nail holes. Put, put your hand in the side right here. Now let me just tell you, Tom, blessed are those that in not seeing belief, your assurances will follow your faith. You're wanting assurance before you believe. You get, a, you get a belief and a faith out of this in realizing you're created in the image of God. You're not a mistake that evolved out of some ape or some monkey or some big bang. You were, God loves you. This is what you get out of this. God loves you. And I know there can be weekends like this that in the midst of all of the horror and the pain and everything that our nation has endured, that maybe you step back and you wonder, God, where are you in all of this? He is on his throne. He is in control. And you know what you get out of this? This value of life. This worldview to us. With, with, without, what if you didn't have this? As much as the value of life is being challenged today, imagine what life would be like without this worldview because that's what life's like in the Great Tribulation because all of this is removed. 
including the church and the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, and you will lose like you've never lost anything in your life, the value of life and belief and, 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 and hope and trust and, and, and what else was on there? Behavior, how I'm, supposed to, how I'm supposed to live, how I'm supposed to serve, how I'm supposed to be. It all comes out of this worldview, out of the, out of the, out of the Sermon on the Mount. It, purpose comes out of this. Did you get all these? Did you get them all down? The, the purpose of my life, how I'm to act, how I'm to respond, how I'm to be. And sin comes out of this. You've got a problem with sin, and sin needs to be resolved, and it's resolved through the salvation of God's grace and sending his only begotten son. Church, our Western culture has forgotten all of these things. And I just simply sim up the series by bringing you back to the very fact that this is the anchor of our hope. Because without it, Western culture will continue to fall off its proverbial cliff. And I think what's most fascinating to all that is as they're falling off that cliff, they're unaware of the fall. Which is precisely what the word is declaring here. That light came into the world. This, this hope, this worldview, this rescue plan, this redemption, this salvation came into the world. And the world as a whole, the world did not go after it. The world did not receive it. The world did not katalambano it. Wow. So, two worlds colliding one that will set you free for whom the sun sets free. Gosh, one of the highlights of my summer was this choir up here from Teen Challenge just, just singing so out of tune. <laughs> oh, it was so good, man. Wasn't supposed to be into, it was just like, make a, it's so awesome, it's just, just singing so joyfully about the freedom that they have found in Christ. Some of those guys had been out of prison like for, for a month. We didn't tell you all that when you came. They're, they're, like, they're like right out. Waymaker, miracle. <laughs> like, Come on, guys. It was, it was awesome. So you have one, you have one worldview. You have a worldview that wants to do that, and you have another worldview. Listen to me, please, very carefully, because I know a lot of you have a lot of things. But this worldview ultimately will leave you bound in the chains of your own things. And living for self will make you miserable. Living for self is what leads to misery. It's, it's, it's like cancer that feeds on sugar. Do you know that cancer feeds on sugar? Okay. Um, misery is the result of us feeding on self, thinking that's somehow ultimately going to, to satisfy and, and, and fulfill, and it just continues to eat away at an ever-growing, larger, gaping hole in our heart that can only be filled with Jesus. And ultimately, if, 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 if that's not understood, and I mean by understood, I mean like accepted and received that, 
that that, that, that is true. Where does it lead? It's a worldview ultimately that, that descends in, into the horror of the Great Tribulation, which isn't like some made-up thing. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real deal for those who haven't received and accepted what Jesus Christ has come on behalf of Almighty God stepping into this world to accomplish and provide for everyone that will turn and put their faith and, and, and trust in him. Isaiah 49. Isaiah 49 is this, is this amazing thought where this conversation is taking place in heaven. I just want you to see it real briefly for a second. I would say if there is one theme for this weekend, what's the theme? What's the theme of this weekend? It's just showing up everywhere. No matter what channel you happen to be surfing through, you will see this theme pop up on the screen. Even in the Mets-Yankees game last night, on the screen, what's the theme? We will never forget. We'll never forget. We'll never forget. We'll never forget. And yet, two decades have passed, and you have a lot of kids and families and college kids who just, like, weren't around, weren't here for it. And even beyond that, we sadly have and did far too soon. What? Forget. Forget. And here you have this. You got to see this for yourself. Don't, I'm not going to throw it up on the screen. I want you to see this. Like, grab hold of this with me, Isaiah chapter 49. Because it's God speaking to God. That sounds odd, I know. But you're eavesdropping in on a conversation that's taking place in heaven with the Trinity. And it ultimately is God the Father speaking to the Son and giving to him his mission. Here's Messiah's mission in Isaiah 49. Have you ever seen this? Ultimately it starts, and I love this theme, I love this verse, it's why we started prep. That in verse 6 it says it's not enough for you to go to, the, to, the, to, to Israel this is verse 6, about halfway through. It's not enough. To, it's too small of a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you, now look at you. Is it capitalized in your Bible? It's not just any you. He's speaking to his son. This is the you. You. Jesus. The Messiah, the Redeemer, the Savior of the world. I'm going to send you, not just to them, not just to my chosen ones, not just to an old covenant completion of the Old Testament, to, to, to one nation of Jewish people that I've delivered out of slavery. Uh, no, it's not enough. Too small. I'm going to also, look what it says, give you as a light to the Gentiles. That's John 1. The light came into the world. The Messiah's mission was to bring this light. That's why I started prep. And it's why I started prep not as a covenant school. In other words, it's not just for Christians. I get mail all the time from parents at prep. They're like, we've got an issue. What? We've got some non-believers at prep. I know, we've got Muslims, we've got Mormons. We got some cartel from Mexico paying cash. <laughs> Show up in a different car like every week. It's amazing. I'm like, it's not enough for us just to kind of have this holy huddle of a, of a little Christian bubble. We're here to be outreach. Church, we're here to be outreach. 
We're here to be a, a light unto the Gentiles. This is the fulfillment of the worldview to which God the Father supernaturally is now instilling into the mission of his son. He's like, you're going down there and you're going down there not just for this, you know, little hub of, of shalom-loving. I'm sending you to the, the, the whole world. Verse 7, thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, the Holy One, to him whom man despised, to him. So, so now, now again you know who he's speaking to. Who's he speaking to? He's speaking to him whom man despised. He is despised and rejected. Light came into the world. The world didn't like the light coming into the world because the world loves the darkness. The world did not katalambano this. The world did not go after it and receive it. So the Lord is now setting him up with the strategy of salvation, with the mission of this Messiah coming into the world, reminding him of what? Reminding him that he's going to be despised. In other words, there's going to be times where it seems as if this plan is failing. But there'll be a remnant that comes out of it. There's going to be hope in the end. There's going to be victory and, 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 and reason to celebrate for all eternity. But let me just remind you, lest you lose heart in the midst of the battle, let me speak to him whom man despises, to him whom the nation abhors, to the servant. And again, I just, I just want you to see the punctuation. Is it, right? It's capital S. It's the servant. It's, 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 it's capital H. It's him. The servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise. Princesses, princes will, will also worship because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel. He has chosen you. Thus says the Lord, in an acceptable time, I have heard you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. And I'll preserve you. And I will give you as a covenant to the people. I will give you. In other words, he does, listen, he doesn't come with a covenant. Listen. He is the covenant. Is that what that said? I will preserve you. And I will give you as a covenant to the people to restore the earth. To cause them to inherit the desolate heritages. You may say to the prisoners, go forth. Look at that verse. That ought to be your new faith. That you, capital Y, speaking to his son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that you, here's your mission, may say to the prisoner, go forth. Set free, baby, whom the son sets free. You can say, go forth. To those who are in darkness, show yourselves and they shall feed among the roads, and the pastures shall be on desolate heights, and they shall neither hunger or thirst, neither heat or sun shall strike them. For he, capital H, who has mercy on them will lead them even by the springs of water. He, come on, will guide them, and I will make each of my mountains a road, and my highways shall be elevated. Surely these shall come from afar. And look, those from the north and from the west and, and, and from the land of Sinim, another word for Egypt, sing, O heavens, be joyful, O earth, and break out in singing, O mountains. The Lord has 
comforted his people. 9-11 weekend, a country that's lost his way. God's still on the throne. He still loves you and is comforting his people and will have mercy on his afflicted. Can you just give him some praise this morning? Church, give him a shout of joy. Hallelujah. Here's the pushback. Here's the reality. Here's like, okay, let's back down to reality, man. So heavenly minded. I don't know. It just doesn't fit. You don't have to go back to work tomorrow. Okay. This is all, this is it. Verse 14. And Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. Maybe you're like feeling it right now and you're, 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 you're doing your best. You're tracking along. You're like, we got a long way to go in the outline. I don't know how you're going to finish on that. Uh, I feel like he's forsaken me. I don't know where he is for me. My Lord's forgotten me. Look at this. My Lord has forgotten me. You know, Jesus felt that way in the midst of this mission going down from the cross says, what? What? Why have you forgotten me? Why have you forsaken me? What's the word forsake means? You know what it means? To forget about somebody on purpose. Ever been shunned like that? Like they, you, you know, they saw you at the store. You know they saw you, and that you saw them, and they're like, <laughs> right? That was high school for me in a nutshell, right there. <laughs> right? I played trumpet in the band and ran cross country. You get the idea. It's just like, uh, my God, my God, why have you forgotten about me on purpose? So you have a whole nation right now as its theme this weekend that declares we will never forget. And yet, good has become bad. Evil has become right. Rights become evil. We're unifying the Taliban and dividing our nation. We've forgotten. And the Lord declares... Even if you forget, I'll never forget. I'll never forget. I will never forget you. Look what it says. Look, this is so... Zion says, here's the response. Like, like not going after it, not receiving it. Too good to believe. I don't think so. He's forsaken me. He's forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child? Not have compassion on, her, on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget. Yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. There it is. Did you love that verse? Maybe some of you didn't even know. Bond said to me on the drive home last night, she said, you know what? Um, some people might not even know where that verse is, and, and that's such an amazing. See, I've inscribed, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Let me just sum it up. Let's just sum up the series. Um, just like, because some of you were traveling, I know we did this in the summer. It was our like HG summer series. Some of you were here for some of the weeks. You can grab all the outlines on the back table at the Welcome Center online. I just really want you just to be able to know that this, this, this summer, 2021, man, I, was, I just came back in love with the Bible. It's, it's just when it really clicked and connected and became our worldview 
as, as, a, as a marriage, as, as a family. And um, so if I could just real fast, and we'll do it quick, and, and then Stoss will come back up and, and, and we'll, we'll close out in song. But if, just one, one word. They all start with R. I don't know why. I, I am A-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D. Um, the, the one G, so we, there's like eight periods of history in which God uniquely works dispensationally. And that's not a bad word. In fact, it shows up four times in the New Testament, twice in the book of Ephesians. So it's, it's just the unique operation in which God reaches out to his people, to this world. One G's in the garden. And the garden was all about relationship. That's how it starts. Everything was created. Everything put into, put into play because of the fellowship that God desired to have through relationship with you and with me, with Adam and Eve, with ultimately with, with mankind, with his creation. But then 2G comes along. 2G is the fall, and the fall is all about what? Rebellion. Rebellion. Catalambano, not receiving it, knowing what God wanted, actually enjoying that fellowship for a while, but then being convinced by the enemy that there's a better plan. There is no better plan coming along. And that rebellious heart led to the fall. The, 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 the sinful nature enters in to the race, and it's been with us every single day since. And then 3G. 3G is that period of the law from Abraham to Malachi, the whole Old Testament. And it's all about what? You know what it's about? What's it about? It starts with an R. Reunion. This is the mercy and compassion of God, even in the midst of their fall, even in the midst of their rebellion, to say, let's patch things up. Do you know this about God? And he patches it up through the law and through the land. I'm going to give you the law. Here's how I want you to live. Here's how I don't want you to live. Remember those? Ten? Through the whole, whole Old Testament. And here's the land. Here's the goal. And the whole idea was to take him out of slavery, out of Egypt. He goes to Moses at the burning bush and says, I've heard the cries of my people, this remnant group of people that are calling out, that are begging, that are crying. I'm going to send you to deliver them because I miss them and I want to be reunited. 3G is all about reunion. And 4G is the gospel. 4G, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the arrival of Jesus the Spirit of God that gets dressed, that steps into our world, and it's all about what? Redemption. It's all about redemption. Let me redeem and fulfill what the law was never capable of doing. And right now, we're in the midst of the, of the Jewish feasts, the Jewish high holiday feasts. This last Tuesday, it was, it was, uh, it was Rosh Hashanah. Happy New Year, everybody. It's a new start. It's a fresh beginning. It's the Feast of Trumpets. Well, let me just tell you, you don't have to be Jewish to be excited about a Feast of Trumpets. We know something about the trumpet. We're awaiting the sound of the trumpet. We're living for the sound of the trumpet. The trumpet's going to sound. 
The Lord's going to descend, and we who are alive, the remnant that are trusting and believing, are going to be caught up. We can celebrate with the Feast of Trumpets. But secondly, this week, Yom Kippur, Yom the day, day. Yom is the same word used for the creation story in Genesis. Yom Kippur, the day of atonement where the priest went in and offered sacrifices on behalf of the people that their sins would be covered. We know something about that. That this lamb of God, this lamb that was slain became our eternal and everlasting atonement. But then there's a third, right? There's, there's Rosh Hashanah, there's Yom Kippur, and there's, there's the Feast of the Tabernacles. And it's when the Jewish families, they would, they'd leave kind of all their stuff in their house and they'd go out in their backyard and they'd build this tent. They'd kind of build this little dwelling and they'd live out there, they'd sleep out there. And the deal was at the top of the tent, there had to be a hole where they could look up to the sky, where they could look up to the stars, where they could be fixated ultimately on their final destination where they'd be home in heaven with the Lord forever. And a lot of them not believing that right now. And I'm praying for them right now, specifically right now, that their eyes would be opened. We know something about a Feast of Tabernacles because God himself is about to welcome us into his tabernacle, into his home, to live on his block, in his street. It's not streets of gold we saw last weekend. It's street. You're on his street. I always thought I'd be like way down the block somewhere, you know. It's like, no, no, you're like not on the other side of the tracks, on the bad side of heaven. You're on his street, in his tabernacle and so he comes Jesus does to redeem all that those feasts and festivals and heart of reunion with God's people was pointing to in the Old Testament and then you get to 5G 5G what was 5G all about 5G is the it's the period of the gospel it's the period of the outpouring of the holy spirit it's the period of this book coming together how miraculous was that and and and, and it's all about revival revival and maybe even like right now in church this morning you're like this is so good I just need this on a weekend like today just to be revived in my confidence and assurance that this is not going anywhere church that heaven and earth might pass away but my word will endure forever be revived it's when dead things come back to life and that's what this period is all about and it will be that way until the rapture another r word for you it'll be that way until that which is reviving is removed and raptured to meet the lord in the air which will usher in 6g the period known as the great tribulation and don't think it's a party it is the rise of global ruin don't believe the Antichrist, and don't you dare take the mark. I pray you won't even be here at all. We'll be celebrating the marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven that then brings us to 7G, the period of the millennium, which is the return of the King. The return of the King. Thank you, Tolkien. That's an amazing title. The return. We return with Him, and we reign for a thousand years on this planet. Brings us to last weekend as we looked at heaven. 8G, 8 is the number of new beginnings, and heaven is all about 
when righteousness reigns. If I was to give you an R word for 8G, for heaven, for all that awaits, you know what it is? Resurrection. Hallelujah. So here's the practical thought, and we'll close. If you're in Isaiah, just flip up to the right a few pages. Past Lamentations, Jeremiah, into Ezekiel chapter 14. And I really believe this is a timely little word for us to close the series with. Because we need some spurring on to finish well, guys. We need some spurring on to finish well and, 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 and not to sort of shrink back, but to charge ahead and to finish our race and to keep our faith and, and allow this worldview to truly remain. And it, and it says this. you got to see this. Look at this with me real fast. Ezekiel chapter 14. You got it? Okay, verse 12. And he repeats himself like three or four times, just wanting to make sure this sinks in. So please listen in. Verse 12. The word of the Lord came again and said, Son of man, when the land sins against me by persistent unfaithfulness, hello, I'll stretch out my hand against it. And I'll cut off its supply of bread, and I'll send famine on it, and I'll cut off man and beast from it. And even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they would deliver only themselves. They would deliver only themselves by their righteousness, says the Lord. What? See what God's doing? Well, in this case, he's sending a little bit of famine to shake the world up, to get their attention, and hopefully draw their hearts back to him. But they're not into it. Katalambano, your new Greek word. They weren't accepting of it. They didn't run towards it. They weren't out to receive it. And even if Daniel, Noah, and Job, you know these guys? They would not even be effective in being able to pull people out of the abyss and just like this downward sucking sound that's just pulling people further and further away. And so God says, oh, I tried again. You know, I tried again. If I caused wild beasts, verse 15, if I caused wild beasts to pass through the land and they empty it and make it desolate, that no man can pass through it because of the beasts. Even though these three men are in it, as I live, says the Lord, they would deliver neither sons or daughters only they would be delivered and the land would be desolate. Like just, just. I think one of the biggest tragedies of COVID is a lot of families convince their kids that church isn't essential. That it really isn't needed. And it's going to heap a world of hurt of separation and desolation that even when the Lord is kind of desperate means called desperate measures and, and, and even wild beasts and, and like people are yawning their way through life thinking something better is going to come along so he tries a third time third time he tries in verse 17 if I bring a sword on that land and I say sword sword go through the land and cut off man and beast from it. And even though these three men were in it, as I live, says the Lord, they would, they would deliver neither, neither sons or daughters, but only they themselves would be delivered. How about a fourth one? How about this one? Or if I send a pestilence into the land, 
What's after Delta? Or does it matter if you actually have the Alpha and the Omega? What can Delta do to you? If I send a pestilence into the land and I pour out my fury on it, blood and, and, and cut it off from man and beast, even though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it as I live, says the Lord God, they would deliver. It's like the whole world is just so wrapped up into living for themselves that they have no notion or desire or concern whatsoever to look up and grab his nail-scarred hand and let him rescue and deliver them. Okay, but in the midst of all that, church, what is this declaring to you? What's it declaring to me? We can't give up. We can't shrink back. We have to be today. Listen, dear friend, we have to be Daniels. We have to be Noah's. We have to be Job's. It can't just be a faith that we practice when when all is well and convenient. Please. What do these three guys have in common? They were underdogs. You're feeling a bit like an underdog, I know. They felt like underdogs. They swam against the current. Job did, even with these knucklehead friends of his, trying to convince him to live otherwise, and a wife that's trying to talk him out of his faith. They knew the God of the Word. Daniel knew that he was outnumbered in his workplace, in his corporate setting, in his Babylon. We have to be Daniels. We have to stand strong. We have to be Noah's. How many of Noah's neighborhood were just mocking him for what he was building in his front yard? We have to be strong, church. We can't cave and we can't compromise. Not now, not ever. These boys believed in the power of prayer. And their faith grew against all odds and and they weren't ashamed of the gospel of Christ and they fought against the machine and they prevailed. They they prevailed. And and look what happens. He, He says this. He says, look at verse 22. Yet behold, there shall be left in it a remnant who will be brought out. Who will be? Will you be brought out? You're going to survive this mess? You trusting in Jesus? Because there's a, there's a remnant here, a minority, a narrow road that leads to eternal life, that lines up with the faith of Abraham and Noah and Job and Esther and Daniel and Mary and, 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 and Paul, a remnant that will get out who believe that God is providing yet once again an ark that will rescue us from the storms of this life. They'll get out. They'll be brought out, both sons and daughters. Surely they'll they'll come out to you and you will see their ways and their doings and then you'll be comforted concerning the disaster that I have brought upon Jerusalem, that all I have brought upon it, that they will comfort you. I just pray and and, and hope with all my heart you're, you're comforted by this. You have a worldview that isn't going anywhere, that ultimately Team Jesus wins. You want to be on that team with all you've got to live for. 
praising him in all that you're going through and trusting that he'll never forget you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. When you see their ways and their doings, you will know that I have done nothing without cause that I have done in it, declares the Lord. Hey, fill this in. This is crazy. You're going to be thinking about this last line during the whole U.S. Open final this afternoon. That ultimately, you ready? We are what we choose. What are you choosing? Joshua says, choose. Charlie, choose. Nance, choose this day. Ultimately, we are what we choose. And we do what we believe. And if I'm really not living out my faith, then what kind of faith is it? So, Lord, I pray. I, I, I pray, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, just your grace and mercy and anointing over this congregation, over this great gathering together, over this service, Lord, for this remnant, for this gathering of your family. That all of us from various stratas of of economic levels and backgrounds and neighborhoods would, would have this in common that we've chosen to believe and we've received the truth rather than inventing our own or caving to some satanic pre-subscribed agenda and carnal secular worldview. If so, I pray that you would just break those chains, that you would dry up the appetite for the things of this world, that you would set the captives free, Lord, that you'd write our names in the Lamb's book of life, that you would move in and take over and flood our hearts and our minds and our thoughts and our actions and our souls with the priorities that are spoken forth in Scripture. Jesus, I just so much want for this to be a gathering of your remnant that are believing you for whatever may come. And it just might be your moment right now to simply say, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. What better R word could there be in all that you have taught us and shown us through the truth of your scriptures and love that's been outpoured that we simply receive all of that? By grace and through faith, we put our trust in you and you alone and we repent of our sins and ask that you would add our names to the reservation book in heaven because in all that we could possibly live for, we are living for you, for your glory, for your honor, standing up, standing out, being strong and courageous in these days and these times to be your Daniels and your Job's and your Noah's.
May it be so, we ask, fervently praying in Jesus' name. Everyone said, come on, church, let's stand. Let's stand together. Let's.